Hey, welcome back to the conversation with Lisa Davis, MPH. I hope you enjoyed the first half. Second half is it's uh, it gets fun and if it wasn't fun enough. But leave us a like, give us a share, help us promote positive feed um, activation for other people who you may want to hear or see this show because, you know, you were kind enough to give us a comment. All right, on to it. I think teaching your kid to be an advocate for themselves and then not always like I used to overstep, be like, oh, I'll just take care of it. Oh, I'll just take care of it when she was little. And now it's like, OK, no, she's old enough now to say, listen, I want to tell a teacher myself or I want you to come with me if it's an in-person thing. I want you to come with me in case I don't explain it right, because sometimes she gets nervous and she has a lot of anxiety. And so just having that backup. But yeah, work with your kid. My daughter has something called NVLD, nonverbal learning disorder, which is a horrible name because this is a kid who's exceptionally verbal. Like she was talking in full sentences before she was one, but they have social skills, gaps, fine motor and gross motor skill issues, math issues. And, you know, so, so in elementary school, she was always pulled out of class. And she also has a ADD and dyscalculia, which is a math dys, uh, dyslexia. It's a real thing. And then she also has the NVLD. You know who came out last year or the year before with NVLD? Chris Rock. He had a friend who was like, dude, I think you're on the spectrum. So he did nine hours of testing. They're like, no, you have NVLD, which is similar. So some people call it Asperger's cousin, even though Asperger's technically, they took that out of the DSM and now they just call it autism spectrum disorder. And we thought she had autism for a long time, but she doesn't. Asperger's is no longer an official diagnosis. I didn't yeah, realize that. it's really that. stupid. I don't know. So and now NVLD is on just the, the spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. It's not on the spectrum, but it's oh, kind no. of like a, but you it's... think of it like a cousin. That's how one pediatric gotcha. neurologist I talked to. And I thought that was a good way. So she, I would say, has a little bit more going socially, but still sometimes just feels like, like she, like I could just go up to a group of girls, at least by middle of high school and just start talking. She can't do that. She gets too overwhelmed. People have to talk to her. And then she's a little quirky and I see the way kids treated her in elementary school, the way they treated me. I saw the way they treated her in middle school. And now she's in 10th grade and she said, mom, I feel like I walk around the school with like weirdo painted on my head. She's super pretty. She's super kind. She dresses really cute. So it's like, even with that, it's interesting that kids can kind of sense like there's something different about you. And her psychologist was telling me that, and this might be interesting to parents, that if you have a kid who's clearly different, like let's say you have a kid that has Down syndrome or you have a kid in a wheelchair. If you pick on that kid as a kid, you are just a everybody. Kid. You're an asshole. Yeah. Like, everybody's going to come John. to the defense. He yeah. was in a car accident. He's in a wheelchair. But yeah. if you're you look normal, so quote unquote normal or even attractive, then you're weird. Odd. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so she does have a very small group of friends. Thank goodness. But yeah, it's really rough. And then the other thing, the last thing I'll say with NVLD is that this is actually in the description of the disorder, which is so crazy, has trouble learning dance steps. And my daughter, all she wants to do is show choir, like Glee style. She can't. She just can't. Like if I was she like, can't one, choreograph. so one, two, three, four, her brain would be like one, two, three, like everything just kind of turns around. She is in the, she did get into the play. She's going to be in Mamma Mia. She's in the ensemble. She just started. Everyone on the, like the director, the dance, they all know that she has a, an invisible disability. 
and she's going to do her best. And I don't think they're going to kick her out or else, trust me, <laughs> I'll be down. You'll have a problem. Yeah. They will have a problem. But I'm just well, saying like, it's, it's so painful to see your kid. Like you, you uh, hope they, they can be treated better than you were. And it's just sad that it's not happening yet. This could be an interesting tie to allyship. Well, it is an interesting tie to allyship. And I, I wonder if it's one that'll help people who don't get it from a race standpoint connect to it. Being an ally for your child. Like, how do you think about being an ally for your child and letting her grow up and expose her space and be her? But then how do you show up? Like you mentioned the director and the like they know. Did she tell them? Did you? Did you two have a conversation? Like, how, what is that being an ally for you? So glad you asked that. No, everything always goes through her. Everything. And I'll say, hon, do you want to let, because she'll say, mom, I'm nervous because, you know, you know about the, I have to tell them about the NBLD. I say, okay, do you want to tell them? Or do, would you like me to tell them? And sometimes she's like, I'm going to tell them. She's, she's become a really good advocate for herself. Like you should see her in her IEP meeting. She's like, you know what? They're not giving me enough time on this math quiz. I'm on IEP. I have learning differences. And she says learning differences instead of disorder. And I, this is what needs to happen. Like she's, it's, it's amazing. She really comes alive. It's almost like the way you used to stand up for yes, other races. She stands up for herself. Yeah. No, she just, she's like a little mouse. And I'm like, you got to get out oh. there. But that's another thing. But no, it's really good. So she asked me, she said, could you email producer of the play, the director and the dance director? And I got the nicest emails from the, all of them saying Lila is an, and she is, she is an absolute sweetheart. Like she just is so kind hearted and she tries really hard. And they said, we're so glad you let us know. We're going to keep an eye on it. And one teacher, the dance with teacher was like, oh, does a video work for her or one-on-one? -on -one? I said, no, she's watching a video. It's, it's not going to work. She has to be like one-on-one, -on -one, very slow, or maybe you can video something, send it to me. I can learn it. And then I can show her, although I'm not, I'm got an, I got coordination issues too, but I think teaching your kid to be an advocate for themselves and then not always like I used to overstep, be like, oh, I'll just take care of it. Oh, I'll just take care of it when she was little. And now it's like, OK, no, she's old enough now to say, listen, I want to I want to tell a teacher myself or I want you to come with me if it's an in-person thing. I want you to come with me in case I don't explain it right, because sometimes she gets nervous and anxious. she has a lot of anxiety. And so just having that backup. But yeah, work with your kid. I think it's an important point about allyship because most people want to speak for themselves. Even if they can't, like, even if I don't have the authority in a room to speak up for myself, I want to be able to. Or even if there's a time where it would make way more sense for Keith to speak on my behalf because people are going to listen, I might concede it, but it still bothers me that it has to be that way. But I think it's uh, really important that you at least realize. That. In that situation, it's still super important that Rodney relinquish that versus a common allyship overreaction is let me do it and versus giving space so I mean, we talk about this in our training a lot like if rodney if there's seemingly something that's awkward or a situation and we have an example back when we went to a bar one time and rodney got told to leave because he wasn't wearing the right shoes so we went down the street um he and another white buddy switched shoes and guess what we all got in and I wanted to lose my shit. Now, this is this is 22, 23 year old Keith um, drinking. I used to do just lose my shit all the time. But Rodney said, don't let's go inside. It's not worth it. 
And I want to have a good time with my friends and not end up in jail. And let's be and, honest, yeah, that's which one of us is going to jail? You. Like, right, yeah, <laughs> I speak up, Rodney's going to jail. And, and so it was a huge moment for me to like, there are moments where it's like, you have to do it. Maybe you do it privately. Maybe you do it one-on-one. Maybe it's one of those situations where you take an opportunity to explain without using that person as the scapegoat. But at the same time, like it's that permission. So I am curious, like in this talking about parenting, like as a mom, you see your daughter have NVLD, you see your daughter have the the math dyslexia, ADD, you want to protect her, kind of going back to the anecdote of my, the parents last night, like you want to protect her, but you also want her to take care of herself. Like how have you found that balance? It's very difficult. I, (laughs) the the area I've struggled most is friend making. Like there'll be, like I'll meet at somebody and they'll have a kid who also has a learning difference. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, you guys should get together. And she's like, mom, I want to make, can I make my own friends? I'd like to make my own friends. I'm like, I know, but he would get you because mom, I want to make. And so big thing in the house is like, mom, butt out. My husband's like, hon, butt out. I, there's a kid down the street right now. I'm struggling with it. Like he's creative. He's into art. I don't think he has any learning disorders, but like he's, I know his mom and he's super understanding and he's really cute and like, oh, they could go out. It. No, just st- stop it. If they want to text each other, which they have, but like, I still want to add more, like, by the way, she, you know, da, da, da. you guys would really enjoy going to da, da, da. And I've done that before and it always blows up in my face, but I'm just being honest. It's like you, I just want her to be happy so much. And I just, I just feel like, I just want to do anything I can. And I mean, she had a boyfriend for a while and he was great. And his parents messed that up. It's a long story. I kind of messed that up and they're still friends, luckily. But if if we had all just butted the fuck out, who knows what would have happened? And it's just hard, right? Because he, he has high function autism and his parents overheard him talking with her about sex. And I'm very sex positive. And I'm like, if they want to have sex, it's fine. Just they have, she has, you know, birth control. We got the talk. We got, I mean, we have had the talk, but like really like, but they were like, you can't, he was 18. She was seven. You can't sleep with, you can't have sex with somebody who's under 17, even though it's legal where we are, whatever. They just, that's fine. But it just kind of blew up because I'm, you know, then I got involved and it just turned into a big mess. And if we could just let them have their conversation and not gotten involved, things would have been a lot better. So, but yet I'm still struggling. That's what's so embarrassing. Well, before we go there, Keith, I think, I mean, there's some some good stuff in there. Like, I mean, the honesty of trying to find that balance. And there's also the fact that different people and different Children in this instance learn from different things, different degrees of pain or different degrees of like seeing it for themselves. And yeah, so I respect all that that you just said, because I'm, I'm just thinking forward to, I'm actually thinking back to my siblings, like we all learn so differently. And so I, I don't even know how my parents manage that because I mean, we all learned, we all figured it out, but it's a, it's a real struggle. Yeah, I used to have trouble with, um, and I still do sometimes, if you spell something to me, like someone's last name, that's hard. Like, I, I don't know that name. I can't, I can't keep up. Like, you'll be like, it's L-I-F-T-R-E, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, oh, God, the worst thing is I worked one summer as a receptionist for my dad and his ophthalmology practice. It was a nightmare because people be like, 
Mr. Papadoukas something called. And I'd be like, wait, P, wait. And, and they'd like, are you listening? Are you dumb? Are you? I mean, they weren't that rude, but it, it was, I told my dad, I was like, I can't do this. Number one, I hate filing. Number two, I can't take messages correctly because I, it's just my, the way. So I obviously have some kind of processing issue. And then I also, I haven't been tested, but I'm positive I, I, I have ADD. My husband has it. My daughter has it. I've only, I can only excel at something I'm super interested in. Something that just happened real quick. You just said, you just referred to, when you refer to yourself, you refer to it as a processing disorder, processing issue versus when you're talking about your daughter, you said learning difference. And she came up with that term. I really like that term because like at the end of the day, I, we don't culturally, at least like what I've witnessed personally, we don't have a very healthy, I don't have a very healthy take on the difference between like a learning disability or disability or a difference. And at the end of the day, we all have them. Like we all process, like people who are extremely good at math, they have a learning difference, like, which probably affects other things that they're not good at. And if we could just see that we probably all have some kind of a learning difference. Listen, I think, it, I mean, you talk about compassion and you talk about parenting. I mean, we all have learning differences. Like, and as a parent, especially a baby boomer parent, right? Like, I'm coming in a lot more authoritative than authoritarian. I'm coming in to say, this is how you do it. If you have five kids, it's hard to accommodate each difference. If you're a teacher and you've got 30 kids, it's hard to accommodate each difference. But the reality is we all learn a specific way. I definitely learn better when you associate to things that I'm super interested in. If I am not super interested in, pretty much gonna disconnect. I don't just learn anything because I just don't care. But at the same time, that doesn't, you don't, you can't not necessarily accommodate it all, but we can have that better perspective because then we label it as a learning disability. And it's like, no, and just, why is it a disability? It's just different than you. That's why I always said the difference. He's been saying that since second grade. She's very smart. I was reading a book about, I think it was about the brain and behavior and like developing minds. But one of the first things it called out is that there is no clinical definition of mental health. We have definitions of mental illness. So like we don't even have a functioning, working definition of what it means to be healthy. We just know what it looks like to be weird, different, other, disability. And so I think it puts us at a real big disadvantage because we're all searching for normal and we haven't defined that normal is actually different. Normal is a social construct to, developed by those in power to maintain power. So is whiteness. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love taking it there. Um, but you talked about being sex positive and I think right. this is one of those areas of thought. I mean, we've had an amazing opportunity to get to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, how have you maintained and what does what being sex positive. sex positive look like for you? Yeah. Well, sex positive to me means that you accept that teenagers are sexual beings. They're interested in sex. And to try to act like if you don't provide them with condoms at, or birth control or have sex educators, I used to be a sex educator, come into the school and talk to them, that it's all just going to go away. Like 
teenagers don't have the idea to have sex until you came into the school and told them to. Like it's all your fault, you dumb sex. <laughs> I know, right? Or the fact that under George Bush, oh, the second one, only abstinent only programs, abstinence only, excuse me, were funded, right? And when I was a sex educator for a wonderful organization called Health Quarters, which is still in existence, it's kind of like a Planned Parenthood. We'd have abstinence as part of the offerings. But we'd also talk about condoms and barrier methods and hormonal birth control and non-hormonal, you know, the whole thing. And so for me, when she says to me, okay, I'm I'm ready to have sex, I don't, I'm like, are you sure? What do you do? I mean, I might say, like, as well with her, if I say are you sure, she'll be like, Mom, you're not, don't you trust me? I mean, there's a whole nother issue with her is that emotionality. But I think in general, just accepting and preparing them. Like, do I want to just go sleep with any random person? No. I guess I'm not that sex positive, but because I don't want to get hurt. I also don't want to get pregnant. And she really doesn't want to get pregnant. So it's like my husband and I are like, if you have sex, you have to have three forms of birth control. Three. <laughs> Either a hormonal or a condom and spermicide. Or now we tried the hormonal. That was a nightmare. Now we're going to try a barrier method, which is either a cervical cap or a diaphragm and a spermicide that goes inside the cap and a spermicide that goes inside your vagina and a condom. If the guy you're seeing agrees to that, then that's great. But we're not, I'm not, I've had you no know, people who've gotten pregnant with condoms that break. People don't know how to use condoms correctly. You have to squeeze the tip of the condom. Just put it on and the air is up there. It's, it can burst. You also should use a lubricant because that's going to help. Even if it's a lubricated condom, even if you're super excited, you should still lose it. So that's what I mean by sex positive is listening to where they're coming from. Now, if you have a kid who's like, I'm super unpopular and I just want to sleep around so I get popular. That's a different issue. But if you have a kid that's like, I really feel ready emotionally and mentally, and I've thought about this, I think that's a different situation. But you got to, you have to talk with your kids about it or else the kid, the parents talk to their kids, make better decisions than the parents who don't. I would take it a step further. And I think sex positivity starts at a really early age. Oh, yeah. And I was going to go. I were you really? <laughs> we twin brain a lot, Lisa. Twin we're brain, like, like that's same, a real same. twin brain moment. Like, I totally interrupted like, you, Keith, because I just wanted to, I totally forgot. Oh, and masturbation is like 100%. Just go do it in your room. Yeah. Not, and, not okay. and I think like sex, sex positivity is, is promoting the natural existence of, of our sexual experience as well as all things around our genitalia, especially in Western society, right? Like, we have friends who are aghast that my two-year-old plays with tampons and knows what they are. And my four-year-old has knows what they are and how they function and what they're for, right? It's like, why wouldn't we? You know, and you hear stories of parents who see their three-year-old or two-year-old going through the phallic stage and, and touching themselves because it feels good or it tickles. And we, it's like, oh my God, don't do that. And it's like, no, do that. Like, I mean, that's part of your development and your growth and having that healthy sense of physical connection to anatomy only leads to the ability to have easy conversations around sex because it's just, it's kind of just part of what you know versus, and then, yeah. And then you make healthier decisions, better decisions. You think about it in a healthier way versus it being so taboo and then who knows where it goes well because then so i think i've come full circle on this because i did not grow up with that kind of that that take on like 
call it body positive, body body aware, like whatever you want to call it. And then now with with our daughters, we very much talk about the parts. Like and and I see it as a it's informative. Like this is your anatomy, this is your body. Like if if you had an issue, you should be able to articulate like where the issue is and like how you're feeling. But then also there's safety. Like only mommy and daddy and if grandparents are over should ever be touching this area. And if someone does, you can talk to us about it. Like establishing a relationship and rapport and trust and letting them establish a relationship with themselves. And which is super new for me. The beginning of this, when we were talking about sex positivity, I was getting ready to say like, I want to be sex positive, but I am undoing the negativity that I grew up with around it. And and I don't even know if a neg- negativity is the word I want to use. I think my parents grew up in a generation that it was taboo and it was embarrassing. And I don't think that that's bad per se. It's just, it's what it was. And so they didn't have a frame of reference for talking to their son about sex or masturbation or like, and, and it was like, they grew up in like a super religious framework, which is also like, no, 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 you don't even talk about it, bro. And so like, I have, all of those layers of that stuff in here that I'm working on and just having conversations with my wife about. And I think and I feel that because like, I have a hard time if your daughter, like when our, my daughter asks, Oh, what's that? You know, maybe it's a shower or in the bathroom, just saying the word penis is like super uncomfortable for me. And so like, trying I mean, not to be uncomfortable and super natural it's an awful word. let's just be honest men men got the worst anatomy it's the <laughs> ugliest thing on the planet and then it get that word no, it's just not the best no. it's yeah. just not it's not a good word but we are super about like this is what it is like you yeah. have a vagina i have a penis like life goes on my, my youngest has has gone lengths to help me with it because basically when i strip down and take a shower <laughs> she just points and laughs <laughs> he's like <laughs> she's like, really she just bad. laughs, yeah. and she's like, she, she's, she's like, what's that? And she's like, what's that? That's different. <laughs> I'm like, eh, well, I was just gonna say that when you, when your daughters are teenagers and and they're involved with somebody, it's so funny because, so my daughter, to make a long story short, there was a guy that she was seeing, and he was far away, but he was visiting, and my husband texts me, and he's like, why does he have his shirt off? And he, you ask him, he's super sex positive, and I'm like, because they're gonna go swimming. Like we finally got a pool. It's a whole nother lifelong dream of mine. Anyway, happiest childhood memories in a pool because my mom's pain didn't, she didn't feel in pain and it was happy. Anyway, so pool is like everything to me. So I'm like, they're going to go swimming. He goes, I don't know. This seems weird. Who comes to someone's house, takes their shirt off. They're sitting inside. And what are they doing? That There's a blanket. And I was like, hun. And we had to talk about it. He goes, I did not expect myself to react this way because our daughter's super broke. She told us, she's like, we're going to be, at, they didn't yet, but she's like, at some point we are going to be, you know, having sex and we're this and we've talked about it and the whole thing. And he's like, it just shocked me because I don't, I'm like, yay, this is great. You know, being sexual is fun. You know. What you're saying reminds me of something. I, somebody said on one of our podcasts, Keith, they said, uh, their best friend said to them at some point, like, there's going to come a point in our relationship where I will let you down and you will let me down. And like a twist on that is there will come a time where your child right. will have sex. And <laughs> because <Facts. laughs> because many of us can't come to terms with that, we, we can't be there for them to help them. And I think this actually also leads into abuse because 
because we haven't helped them understand what's happening and then they can't talk to us about it because we just we haven't built that that framework but then like it also flips then when you're older and they're older and they're like Our parents have like yeah that's how you got here <laughs> like She's that's so funny that you say that because the other day I was like, we usually would kind of just sneak around and stuff because she always seems to be everywhere. And we're all we're very close. We spent a lot of time together. And I was like, hon, your dad and I are going to go and just, we're just going to have some pride, just some, just dad and mom time. We're just going to, you know, hang out, whatever. And so I said, you can't disturb us. She goes, oh my God, you guys, why are you telling me this? I was like, well, when you're, that guy was visiting and you told me don't, I mean, the door is open, but still they were figuring out a way to do some things. They're like, don't come in. So I'm like, okay, well, you have to, you got to deal with it, right? You got to respect our boundaries too. And yeah. like, we're communicating and we're, see, and that's that's kind of a healthy, like, hey, we do things, you do things right? versus uh, this weird one because, way. I mean, thing. ultimately yeah. the the Western mentality of shame on sex, it's just so unhealthy for our mental, like you talk about mental health, like our positive mental health as we get older, the amount of shame I have felt around sex my entire life, even up until about a year ago. And that's a whole different train of conversation, but like it's real and it's, and it affects your relationships. It affects how you raise your kids. It affects all of these things that don't need to over like the most basic of mammalian animal instincts is to procreate. And like, if you taught them sex. nothing, they will do that on their own. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Like they wouldn't know how to speak. They would know how to eat drink and have sex. Like if there are three things that you learn to do, they might not even learn to pee correctly, but they will learn to have sex. Well, it's funny because it wasn't like the conversation. Well, number one, I couldn't get a date. So my mom never had the talk with me like ever. And my sister, when she started dating, then she was dating a guy who was a couple years older and I think she was 16 or by then my mom took her to get the pill, but there wasn't like a big long, but she was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. There was no pushback from it. It was just like, okay, let's go to Planned Parenthood, you know? But the funny thing is once I went to college, I remember my parents, we had dinner, my sister was there. And that this, my mom's like, Lisa, get a diaphragm. And my sister was like, mom. And I just laughed. Cause that's, that's the only thing she ever said to me. Cause I guess in college, I finally, guys got interested in me. I'm a late bloomer, but it was just kind of funny that that's- You're not that's, a late bloomer. You bloomed when you were supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I always felt like a late bloomer, yeah. but- the, so. I think what my new call in life, Keith, because I need a new cause. I need a new cause. I don't yeah. have enough stuff on my plate. You don't have enough stuff. <laughs> Destigmatizing just being a damn human. Like yeah. bodily compassion, bro. Just, like not allowed. That's what compassion's all I know. about, man. I know. Like that's what we're all about. Which leads to our final question that Rodney always asks, but I am going to ask today I, I, because this, well, before he asks it, because I don't know why he's taking my question, so I'm not going to let him. So see, look at this. I'm standing up for myself <laughs> in this moment. Hey. I'm going to say first, Lisa, you are amazing, and like, thank you for sharing all this. It's, it's a lot, and I think it's, I know it's, it's helpful for me. So I hope it's helpful for other people. Thank yeah, you. me too. Thank you. This was super. I, I mean, if you guys ever want a third once in a while co-host, <laughs> I just love you guys. This is so Aww. much fun. Well, thank you. Thank you. We'd love to uh, come on your show too. Oh well, yeah, we should. We should absolutely. do. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's absolutely. Before we do ask that final question, where can people find you? Oh please, I highly encourage you go to lisa davis mph dot com 
super easy, www.lisadavismph.com. I have three shows. I do active allyship. It's more than a hashtag. I do Talk Healthy Today, which is through outside media in their healthy living group, which involves Clean Eating Magazine, Yoga Journal, Muscle Performance, Better Nutrition, Oxygen. Yeah, so I do. So my other passion is healthy living. So you have to have me back. So we'll talk about that. And uh, then I do a show I've done for eight years called Naturally Savvy. It's a po- Naturally Savvy podcast. It's, called, it's, it's based on the very popular site by Andrea Donsky, uh, naturallysavvy.com. Check them out as well. Andrea co-hosts with me on that. And then I co-host with Sunny and then Talk Healthy Today. I do solo, but I love it. I mean, that's my passions, you know, just being a good person, helping other people live healthy, not being a racist, talking to your kids about sex, I guess. Oh, my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It's a memoir, cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide. It's not about dirty sex. It's a play on words. See, I thought people would get that, but a lot of people don't. If you if they get that, they'll laugh. They, they think it. like strawberries it's, um, are involved. It's chocolate. Uh, like, it's, 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 it's legit. It's, it's legit. Bait. But it's honestly like even if you're celibate for whatever reason, it's, it's just basically how to live your healthiest life with the emphasis on ways to improve your sexual health, too. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. We will reference Lisa Davis, MPH.com in the notes. And the final question is, what does compassion mean to you? Compassion means, that's such a good question. I keep getting stumped. I think of like kindness, openness, wanting equity for everybody. What I want to do, which I'm not as good at, is lending compassion to people that I don't agree with. And that's where I, I struggle. So I would like compassion to be finding space in your heart, even for people who you find very troublesome. And it doesn't mean you have to love them or be your best friend, but, you know, hope, want them to find it's hard. See, <laughs> like if you're an anti-vaxxer, I'm like, just go away because I don't feel like getting COVID, right? So that's a whole other topic. But I'm just being honest. I have a match in public health. I'm sorry. That's I'm very science-based. So for me, it's like this whole thing of there's all these divisions. And what I want compassion to be is that we can all find some kind of common ground. That's my ideal. And I'm still working towards it.